Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be another incredible episode. This week, we're joined by the remarkable George Bronton. He is CEO and co-founder of Membrane. What the hell is Membrane? Membrane is a sales enablement CRM, and George lives in Sweden and has spent the, the majority of his life building businesses. He's a true entrepreneur. And this episode's going to be insane. We're going to talk a bit about process systems. We're actually, we're going to dive into that whole what is sales enablement because some of you are probably scratching your head going, Mark, I've never heard of this sales enablement. What is this? It keeps coming up. Um, the role sales enablement plays. And also going to talk a bit about you know coaching self-assessment, how can we improve performance through, you know, reflecting on on, on um, opportunities and how can we, you know, give others um, solid coaching and advice. Before we get into today's session though, guys, loving the feedback. So got some awesome comments following Beat the Bots. Anita, she is remarkable. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back to your playlist, hit play, listen to the lovely Anita because she's brilliant and uh, we'll probably do some more offline work with her because I really, really enjoyed um, talking to her. She's a wealth of knowledge. Um, guys, jump online, like us, rate us wherever you're listening to podcasts because the feedback is amazing. It makes me feel fantastic about you know doing what I do because I love serving you. I only put this together because I love sales. I love everything about sales and customer interaction. And ultimately, I love the listeners that are engaging in our show. So guys, enjoy the episode. Buckle up because George is going to bring some bangers to the show. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Oh, fantastic. Hey, before we um, get into the show and get and you know, talk all things sales enablement, coaching, strategy, process, etc., um, we'd love to hear your story on how you started your career in sales. Yeah, good question. Uh, <laughs> I think everyone has been in sales since we were kids, selling our ideas and <laughs> yeah. getting that puppy and, you know. Uh, I, I was selling uh, repairs for, for bicycles in my neighborhood, I remember. So I, I think I've always liked uh, selling. Yep. Um, but uh, my career, I guess, started selling, uh, I started selling books. I think that was actually my first okay. and only uh, employment. Yep. Uh, I, I sold these uh, for dummies books. So yes, PC yes. for dummies and windi- windows for dummies. And, <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that was fun. So I went around Sweden. So I'm based in Sweden, born in Sweden. Uh, went around the country in my car visiting bookstores and selling these books. Wow. Uh, interesting learning experience. Yeah. So that was sort um, of old school door to door, you know, just. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We, that was canvas visits and, and, and everything. So and, and not a very uh, complicated uh, <laughs> sales. Uh, effort really but uh, good fun a lot of traveling and yeah. and all that but we had a really good remember the CEO of that uh, the Swedish uh, uh, publisher was was very interesting had a special uh, management style so I learned a lot from him that was my my big takeaway but I left after they they sort of offered me a, a more of a managerial role in this little team where I would yeah earn less and get more responsibility. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's often uh, the case, isn't so it? I, yeah. So, so that I turned that down and I started uh, my, my first company. Uh, and I guess that's where it became very apparent that selling was was everything. Uh, now, if I didn't sell anything, there, there was no business at all. Yep. Uh, so that business led to another business and led to another yep. business. And, and now I'm, I'm running uh, Membrane, which yep. is a, a software that helps salespeople be more effective. Yeah. So just, just going back a step, I know that you've, you know, you've, you've started a, a number of companies um, what were some of the wins during your career uh, um, so far up until you, you started Membrane? Uh, well, the, the, the company that became um, profitable <laughs> was a company called Upstream, which had an I, the idea was to find software uh, that were not mainstream. So basically, we were looking for software to sell to IT service providers or IT yeah. resellers uh, to make them more more um, more efficient, effective, and, and profitable. So we found software vendors in mostly in the U.S., uh, but also from New Zealand and yeah. Sweden. Uh, and um, I learned a lot uh, during that time. And that company still exists and is now run by a very competent CEO. Um, yeah, but but. What I learned there is what what got me to to start uh, Membrane, and that was uh, the difficulty in building a sales team. Yes, um, I um, we we made a major shift in that business uh, from selling through these resellers. So yeah. we we found products and we gave, we taught these these resellers on how to resell them to make their customers more efficient but we we shifted that whole model to make these resellers or IT service providers our main customer yeah uh, so so we brought on new products that were designed to help them become more profitable and more effective um, and that was a big big challenge because those products were really intrusive yes. uh, because we could take them from a reactive break fix model where they were selling basically a PCs, networks, and, and hours uh, to selling a managed service, uh, which was fascinating because we could take them from doing like 3% uh, profits to 30% profits. Wow. So it was a major shift, but it also required those companies to do a, a lot of changes yeah. <laughs> in how they sold, how they marketed, how they delivered the services. Basically, all their internal processes needed to change, and they needed to invest a much, a much more than they had ever invested in, in technology. Wow. So that was a huge shift. Yeah. So you saw that, that, that shift occurring, and then is that essentially what motivated you to start Membrane? Yeah. So I saw that shift occurring, and, and what happened was that I started – so I, I was selling myself, and, and I had – I brought in my youngest brother, yeah. and uh, we were selling these products uh, and solutions effectively. But then I, I hired salespeople, and I fired salespeople. Yeah. And I hired and I fired, and <laughs> I did that for a while, and until I, I really had to sit down and say, "Hey, George, what's what is this? Yeah. Are, are all these people that you've hired and fired really the problem, or is the problem elsewhere?" And, and that was the big sort of aha moment where I found, "Oh, maybe maybe the problem is." 
me. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm the big problem in the equation. And of course, yeah. I, of course I was. I mean, I didn't give them enough training. I didn't have a process. I didn't have a methodology. I was, I was doing a lot of things yeah. very poorly. Uh, so I studied everything I could find on, on sales management, sales process, methodologies, NLP, uh, yeah. just behavioral economics, anything that I could come over to try to figure out what I should do yeah. uh, better. Um, and that's where I came, came to some, uh, some realizations. Firstly, that I had been doing a lot of really bad assumptions. Yeah. Like I was, I was assuming that a salesperson who had sold something for someone else could sell what I was trying to sell, yep. uh, which was a very bad assumption to make, uh, which led to me hiring the wrong type of salespeople yeah. because this uh, solution we were selling was very complex. Um, so, and I, I brought in believing that salespeople, uh, or you know, you're born a salesperson, mm. you, you have certain traits, uh, so if you've sold, you can sell, sell for me. And that was completely wrong. So that was one of the big, big mistakes uh, in hiring. I was hiring the wrong, wrong people because I didn't realize the complexity of the solutions we were selling. Yeah. And another assumption I was making was that I, I thought that uh, salespeople, because that's something you have, that's something <laughs> you get with, with birth at birth yeah uh, you would be disciplined and you would go after <laughs> and just do everything that's needed to to reach the target that i had set up for them yeah uh which was also false and then uh, i i assumed that crm systems were designed to help salespeople yeah. sell and be better uh, which wasn't true either because there's nothing in the the crm system that really help salespeople. they're more like uh, journaling system, like yeah. your doctor, you write a, your journal. That's how these CRMs were designed. So that that all led me to think, okay, what? How should it be? How how what what should we provide salespeople to onboard them faster and make them more effective and successful? Uh, and that all of that led me to start Membrane because I yeah. went to these CRM systems and said, hey, I, I have this idea. I, I want to have. You know, a, a system that guides the salespeople through yeah. the process and the methodology and it should embed the training and, and help them learn on the job. And I all, had all these ideas in my yeah. head and they're like, you know, that's not really how our system is designed, <laughs> but you can go buy and plug in so you can customize it. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I don't want to do that. So that's how Membrane came to be. Wow. And, and, and was it a bit daunting, you know, you're coming up against you know, Salesforce and um, Microsoft and Oracle. Um, has it been a daunting process competing with them? Absolutely. Uh, I would be lying if I yeah. said it, it's not. Uh, and, and I think there's this perception that you won't get fired for choosing any of those systems. Yeah. <laughs> it's a safe uh, choice. Yeah. Um, but if, you, if you've been in sales for a while, you can, you can easily identify that they're not really being that helpful apart from being a central database, which yes. is, of course, helpful in itself. But it's not helpful in driving the right behaviors, which is really what, what counts and what makes the difference. So when we get into a dialogue, I think um, 
people see that there, there, there's something more to it than just having the information and the data there there's a lot more to to that is needed so we we can compete with them we can also uh, add to them right we yes complement them so we don't have to kick them out yeah so yeah but it's definitely daunting and and this is what we i mean in our marketing of course we, we always struggle with how can we how can we get people to realize that you have to you have to drive the right behaviors and to, in order to do that you you will need maybe a different type of technology yeah than, than you you're used to yeah and it's a tough conversation to have because you know you look at some of the organizations and you know some of the clients i work with i mean they've spent upwards of you know 10 20 million on um on on crm deployments and uh to mm. to, to get come to a decision of saying well we're going to change you know our, our crm technology because it's not delivering on what we what we want um it's a big decision yeah. to, to to make yeah especially for the big ones and, yeah and we don't really try to get them to to change if, if they've invested that amount of money and they're getting value from it in other parts of the business maybe uh we don't really require them to change but we also we deal mostly with mid-sized companies yeah the mid-market okay mid-market so you have maybe 10 to 200 salespeople. yeah i mean that's usually where we play and then it's definitely uh an option to yeah to re- just change and, and i think people have too much fear when it comes to how how difficult it can be because it's not really that difficult if you if you just take that decision and yeah go, go do it um it, it, it can definitely be quite a smooth ride but there's a lot of fear there that oh wow it was such a an undertaking to put this in just imagine how horrible yeah. it will be to, to change to something different but once you do it it's like oh my god why didn't we do this earlier <laughs> yeah <laughs> change is hard change is hard yeah. and you know what as sales professionals um that's the skill right it's helping the customer through that change process it's helping them to de- yeah. determine you know what that future state can look like and how it can benefit and you just brought up something really interesting that term value because i don't think enough um i mean you look at te- most technology deployments it's um the derived value of a particular um you know solution isn't always there uh and people aren't quantifying it enough to say are we getting value from this system uh, or or you know piece of technology so you know i think that's an interesting concept when it comes to you know what is value what does value look like um and what should we expect you know i don't think some of the companies when they go through this exercise actually um have a clearly defined roadmap of of what success looks like um from a value perspective um i definitely agree with that and just want to ask you something you mentioned earlier about some of the learnings you know you were hiring you were firing um i mean what were some of the your best learnings was were they the key learnings the fact that not all salespeople are born and um they're not disciplined i mean were there any other learnings that you, you can share with us yeah i think that the one big learning that came from uh some of the work that a, a local sales um institute is doing here in sweden called pro sales they've done a lot of work on what what makes a sales department successful um and they did a very clean um, model where they described selling in, uh, and they put selling into three buckets, or I think maybe four now. 
but basically you have transactional selling, you have complex selling, and they have you have distributed selling as they call it which is basically Channels. even more complex yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 what and they did define that as not just the the perceived per complexity that you see from the seller's perspective but what really defines uh, the complexity is the perceived uh, risk for the buyer yeah uh, and, and i think that's that was a big takeaway that it's really a, it's all about the buyer yeah, uh, and if you're in a transactional environment, then you need a, a particular type of sales strategy and sales people. Uh, it's all about volume. Uh, you need to do a, a lot of calls, for instance. Yeah, and and part of a complex sales cycle can be transactional as well. Yes, like yes. if you have SDRs that only go after a meeting, that's a transactional process within the the larger process. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was a, a big uh, learning that, okay, not all selling is equal. Yeah. If we're in a complex sales uh, environment, then we need a, a different strategy from uh, the one we would be using in a transactional sale. And, and I think that the, also that this world of sell, sales is polarizing. Yeah. Because of technology and the internet, the, the transactional sales, we can automate. Yeah, we, we, we should try to automate it. We should try to get rid of salespeople in that type of business yeah. and use more technology. But on the other hand, the, the complex side of things is getting more complex because yes. all products look the same to buyers. If you go to the websites of a, a particular solution, they all say they do the same thing yeah. and they all have case studies. So it's very becoming very difficult to differentiate. Uh, and I think this is why selling is becoming much more important. How you sell is, is basically your last differentiator. Yes. Yeah. So uh, uh, that, that was one realization. So, you know, you come to the realization that um, not all selling is equal. And you've touched on something that I get asked a lot and, and a lot of the people that, you know, I talk to and train and coach in the sales world say, you know, they're really anxious about the future. Um, there's a whole heap of data that you see online saying, you know, 80% of sales roles will be automated in the next five years and um, AI is coming and or it's here and it's going to streamline the process. And you just brought, you know, a really important topic up um, that there are functions of the sales process that should be automated. Given that you've built a technology, you know, platform that essentially helps the effectiveness of the sales process, um, what key sort of steps in that sales process do you believe will be automated in the coming years? Mm, that's an interesting question because I've been kind of, we've been, we're focused on the complex B2B yeah. sale. Uh, so we've sort of shied away from automation. I, I think yeah. automation can do a lot of harm um, when used wrong. I think in marketing, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but once you get into sales, um, it, it can create a, a lot of damage to, mm. to relations and, and I, I don't know about you but I get thousands of emails every week uh, which obviously are just a, a part of a cadence that yeah. someone has put up in an email automation tool Yeah, and I just get frustrated by that and, and um, I re even remember answering one of them because it was the, the emails I was getting from this person were very short and almost annoying like yeah. If I if I wouldn't do uh, react to his emails, my, my business would, would die. Basically, was oh, the wow. message in his email it was really provocative. Uh, yeah. So I guess 
it, it worked for increasing his response rate, but not for the right reasons. Yes. Uh, and I remember, remember answering him and saying, hey, please remove me from your cadence because your emails are not helpful, yeah. not valuable to me. So I was being quite polite. And I remember him answering something like, uh, how could you say that uh, being in a, in a similar business, you must understand the importance of, of, of professional uh, cadences and automation. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, yes, if I, I, that can be what, valuable if the emails are valuable. Yeah. The way you phrased them, I, I, I don't find them valuable. <laughs> and he, got, he, he, want, he really got into a big argument with me. So I think we have to be careful how we use yeah. technology and automation. Uh, but in the complex B2B sale, I think we're going to see AI and automation. I, I wanted to augment what the salesperson is doing. Yes. Uh, so if, we, if we're in a sales cycle or we're initiating a sales cycle, it, it's going to be very easy to find background information, data, yeah. uh, the latest uh, financial report. I want that to just be served up to the salesperson automatically. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think, it's nice, nice automation, nice AI. Mm. Um, but it, I think sometimes we just go about it wrong. Like yeah. I saw this product that was going to automate meeting, uh, b- the, the booking of meetings. Yeah. Uh, and it was AI and it was, they had a beautiful website. I'm sure they had a lot of VC money backing it up. Yeah. But so, so, so the idea was that you would uh, send an email to someone asking for a meeting. And when that person responded, there wasn't a person seeing that email was just an AI bot yeah. uh, being, being intelligent in responding back with times that would, would work. And, yeah. and, and that was so stupid to me because that's kind of the problem with booking meetings is that you have these emails going back and forth. Yeah. No, I can't do yeah. Thursday. How about Tuesday? No, I'm in, the, in, another, in another time zone. How about this time? Oh, no, then I'm asleep. I can't do that time. <laughs> and that's just so wasteful. Uh, yeah. So now they put AI to do a stupid process. Yeah. Um, so you, they you try, try to look put a, at a process. Yeah, they try to put a bandaid over a process that needs to be changed versus. Yeah, the, yeah. the process is the problem, right? Yeah. There's, it's much better to have one of these, um, uh, what do you say, meeting Calendly uh, yeah. functions like that where you can go in and pick a time that works. Yeah. yeah. No more email back and forth. Uh, so, so you have to be smart about how you use it. But I think and we're already seeing that in, in, uh, in the early, uh, pro- early stages of the process where you're booking meetings and you're getting to that first contact, I think there's a lot of AI and, and automation that can be used mm-hmm. there. And that's valuable. And, and then throughout the process, I think augmenting, augmenting the, the intelligence of the salesperson with, by serving up content will be very yeah. uh, helpful. Um, and, and I think one of the biggest problems that I see is that salespeople are talking to uh, the wrong people in the account or just too few people yes. uh, to, to get to that consensus um, mm. that is needed. So I'm hoping to see more intelligence in, in bringing that, the, those stakeholders to a consensus. Yeah. So if you're a, if you're a sales executive or a sales professional – and you're anxious a bit about the future, I suppose, after hearing you talk about the, you know, and I love that concept of um, using AI as a mechanism to draw um, information. Because I remember when I, earlier in my career, when, you know, we didn't have LinkedIn Sales Navigator and 
I had to, you know, you had to buy IBIS World Reports. I mean, we, we did in, a, in Australia and, 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 you know, company reports and then had to spend hours reading through them to try to find the, you know, the nuggets to connect um, the opportunity together. So I love what, what you're saying about augmenting that information. But if for a salesperson, it's a little bit anxious about the future, um, what should they be doing to make sure they're going to be around in the next two, five, ten years? Mm. Yeah, I think in a complex sale, if you're in a transactional sale, you, you better you better start be nervous and, and yeah. think about how <laughs> right. how you how you can get into maybe a role where where you won't be automated. But in the complex B two B sale, it's it. I think I have a model that I work with when it comes to relationships. If it's a business relationship or customer relationship or my 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 my. Uh, wife the relationship with my wife which is basically <laughs> trust align grow yeah so those that's sort of how i think so first we need to create trust and uh, then we need to align with what we both want and then we can grow together grow the relationship grow the business whatever we want to grow uh, so i think the first is to you have to be a trustworthy person yeah uh, and and nowadays i think you can you can do that in different ways. You can uh, write articles on, on LinkedIn. You should study uh, religiously. Just yeah. everything you can, read the books, read, listen to the audiobooks, and just get better at what you what you do and, and what your customers are doing. I mean, you're helping your customers. You should really get under their skin and under, read books about their business and their industry. So, and once you have that skill set, uh, you should share it with the world, uh, and that's how you you become a trustworthy person. And and then you you always deliver on your promises. And once you've you've done that a few times, people will start to trust you even more. And then yeah. then it's all about alignment. And and I think this is also something that salespeople can be a lot better at, uh, because sometimes there's a too much product pushing going on. Like, okay, my role is to sell. Well. Is it really? Is, yeah. it, is your role really to sell or is it to help someone achieve something by buying something from you? Yeah. Um, so I think we, we, look, we need to look at selling as uh, guiding someone to buy, guiding someone to achieve what they want. And if that is aligned with what we have to offer, then it will become successful. If we're not aligned, you may push some product, but it's going to be very short-lived. Yeah. So alignment is crucial, and alignment also goes about uh, when you sell to someone today, there will be more stakeholders involved. So how do they get aligned? Yeah. Are they aligned, or are they sitting there and one person wants to go to the left and the other one wants to go to the right? Well, how do you how do you align them? Because if they're not aligned, you're never going to be able to sell anything to them, and they're not going to buy. So I think I think the alignment piece is really uh, something that that you have to give a lot of thought to. How do we best align uh, the customer's needs and wants and pains with what we have to offer? And, yeah. and I see a lot of companies today struggling because they, they've been like, they've had a few products that they've sold, but now customers, they're not satisfied with that. They need yeah. more. So you need to add services. You need to do uh, partnerships with other companies to create a, a product that is more whole more holistic than what you may have been offering for the last yeah. five years. It's not enough. 
So yeah, I think alignment is, is super crucial. And, and then growth, because we need to also see once we've sold or once someone has bought from us, will they get to that future outcome that we promised? We need to stay closer to them to see, okay, are they being helped yeah. by our product or service? And if not, we need to help them. Uh, and then we can grow and find new opportunities to upsell, cross-sell and all of that. And I think a lot of times we're too eager to find new business and yeah. we spend too little time in actually growing with those accounts that we have spent so much time uh, winning. Yeah. So you've, you've really summed that up um, in a fantastic way, you know, and I really like that trust align and grow. Um, and that, t- that takes me into sort of what I wanted to get an understanding. I mean, there's, I love the concept of sales enablement and it's been a big topic, I suppose, of, you know, over the last two to five years, it's, it's a growing topic. Um, firstly, what's your definition of sales enablement? Because there seems to be sort of a misunderstanding or well, let's talk alignment. There seems to be a lack of alignment out in the industry about what sales enablement is. Mm-hmm. Yes, most definitely. And I think it was Greg Alexander, uh, former SBI sales benchmark index has said yeah. it's it's uh, more more revenue per per salesperson. Okay. Uh, everything you do to get more sales. Okay. Revenue just, per salesperson. Yeah. Uh, very simple. Um, and then we have the longer, um, more uh, highbrow uh, definitions where yeah. it, where it's really about all everything. But you need to train your people. You need to enable them with the right. Uh, content and, and tools uh, and coaching in order to to increase higher sales effectiveness yeah um, but I think what we what is maybe more interesting to talk about what it's not yes I, I see a lot everyone is trying to use because sales enable, enable enablement now is a hot topic yeah everyone is using it for the marketing so they're saying we're sales enablement and we are a content platform so if you just put the right content into the hands of your salespeople, <laughs> everything will be solved. Uh, so then they define sales enablement as content management. Yeah. Uh, or another one might be selling uh, a, a sales video or training tool. Then they push that as sales enablement. So everyone is trying to sort of own sales enablement or make sales enablement to be what their product does or what their service does. Yeah. And I think, uh, for me, what's important to to realize it's 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 more than that. It's the holistic take on how to what strategy uh, do we have? How do we convert that into tactics and execute? How do we execute it? How do we train? How do we coach? How do we provide the right tools? So all those things needs to be put together, uh, and that will enable yeah. selling which in turn will enable buying. So we can't. We, we also must remember the buyer in this um, equation because it needs to be centered around how we, we're making the buying experience better for the buyer. How, uh, so the, the trust aligned growth thing yeah. for me is, is still a core. Um, and then we need to make sure. And, I, and, and this question about sales enablement is also when a lot of times when we talk about it and we write about it, and, and I'm probably to blame for this as well. <laughs> we kind of look at it at, uh, on, on the widest scope for, for kind of a big company. Yeah. Uh, because then you get into the cross-departmental de- um, 
orchestration and yeah. there are lots of other problems that pop, pop up. But, uh, but in a mid-sized company, it doesn't have to be uh, that complicated. Yeah. Uh, we can make it easier. But I, I think the whole sales technology space has also exploded over the five, last five years. So we have so many point solutions now mm. uh, that are coming out, like send emails faster. Oh, there's a tool for that. <laughs> uh, do this and that, and there's a tool for that. And, and I think that is also a problem because salespeople are now, some of them, if you look at high-tech SaaS companies in mm. Silicon Valley, I hear that some of them use like seven or eight tools. Yeah. And then instead of becoming more effective, you're just becoming yeah. overwhelmed. It's like, oh, which tool should I use for this? It's like, oh, maybe this one. Oh, no, no, that's not good enough. So they, they, they spend too much time in their tools. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to cover off with you, George, really keen to talk you know, about this topic was I find that you know, so many businesses are uh, they, they, you know, they're going to the shiny light, you know, sales enablement and new age of selling. And yes, um, the digital transformation um, has occurred and we've got to be selling on social, et cetera. But I feel that they're, um, we're forgetting about the most important concept is of, of what makes a world-class sales team. You know, what actually, and you spoke about it, you articulated it well, enable the buyer, Right. And we talk about sales enablement, but we're forgetting that there's a buyer that's coming through the process. Given that you've got exposure through your platform uh, to many sales organizations, uh, what does world-class look like from your perspective? Okay, I'm not sure I quite understood. World-class in what particular? Yeah, from a sales team. Like Mm. if, if sales enablement is about enabling your sales force to really help that buyer through the process... You know, what, what do those salespeople look like? You know, what makes a high-performing sales team? Well, in the complex B2B space where we are focused, yeah. um, first of course, sometimes we, we sort of jump over this part because we assume that it's, it's all already in place, but you have to have a strategy. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And, and that starts with understanding your buyer and how to align with that buyer. Um, but all too often I see people sort of just having or continuing doing whatever strategy they've had. Yeah. And then they add a new tool to do what they have been doing just faster, uh, which is kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, so <laughs> you have to go back and, and maybe rethink your strategy and, and, and get that alignment with the buyer. Yeah. And, and I think some of the talk about 80, uh, the buyer is 80% through the process, etc. I kind of find that a bit BS in the in the yeah. complex media, uh, B2B space because oftentimes what they are buying from you it's is not something they buy every day. Yes. You don't you don't go out and buy a new CRM every every second yeah. quarter. So they're no they're no experts usually mm. in buying what you're selling in a complex B2B environment. So you know a lot more about how they should be buying than they do themselves. So yes, of course, they have been out doing their research. But I think the salesperson needs to, or the sales team needs to realize that we are actually quite skilled uh, in helping buyers make the Mm. right decision. Uh, So I I think you have to go back to that that strategy and and make sure it's designed to be helpful for the buyer. 
And that goes back yeah. to marketing as well. The, the marketing content you create should be helpful and interesting and uh, help them think about things. And of course, it always needs to align back to you. If you're just educating them about how to buy from a competitor, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah, so the, the alignment includes you, and it's not just about education, generic education. And then it's about really providing them with more guidance and them being the sales team. So how, one of the problems I had in, in, in Upstream was that my salespeople, uh, even though they were, they were senior salespeople uh, selling something else, they weren't yeah. senior in selling what I was selling or what we were selling in, in, to these customers. So they made a lot of mistakes. They, they yeah. went to the customer, met with the board, had a fantastic meeting. Everyone in the room, of course, wanted to go from 3% profits to 30% profits. <laughs> uh, so they, 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 they went, they had took the, or had made the conclusion that, okay, now I need to create a proposal for this company. So they went back to the office, created a proposal, and, and told me that now I'm, I'm, I'm winning a new deal. And I was, okay, have you, have you talked to their technical people? Yeah, and they would say, "Well, no, I don't think that's necessary." Yeah. So, okay, why don't you think that's necessary? Well, you know, they're technical people; they will just do what the board says. Yeah, or maybe not, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, they might see the the board or the company uh, and the CEO deciding to buy an automation platform as a threat to them. Maybe mm. maybe they think they're gonna they're gonna lose their jobs. So yeah. I think they will do anything to prevent this board and this company to buy our solution yeah. unless you talk to them in their language and get them to see the benefits of this mm. as well. And of course, they lost those deals when they tried yeah. to like circumvent that. So I think Miller Hyman calls them the anti-sponsor. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in their strategic you, selling framework. Exactly. Yeah. You need to, and that's basics, that's sales 101. Yeah, right? 101. But a lot of salespeople still do this. They have happy ears. They want to get the deal. They're on a quota. They need to close it this quarter. So they they try to take shortcuts. So uh, what the great sales teams do and the sales managers is they make sure they have a process. They don't allow their salespeople to make these stupid mistakes. Uh, And that's that's like really simple tactics, right? But but I see that those mistakes being made all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Everywhere, it's not not just small companies, mid-sized. Yes. And I love what you're saying here because, and this is where I come back to it that that discipline that you talk about, that process, mm-hmm. um, you know, because for me, the sale, what differentiates a salesperson from a sales professional is one who is strategic, who's really thinking about, you know, just because I've I can I can smell a sale, doesn't necessarily mean it's time for me to propose something. Exactly. You know, it's about following the process and identifying who my strategic, you know, advocates or um, my sponsors or whoever, whatever words we want to, we call them. And then also having sort of a risk mitigation plan to say, well, what if there is someone in the business that doesn't want me there? And usually there's at least one, right? Yep. And um, and so the, I really like the way that you've sort of summed that up for us. And it goes back to that trust align grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, for me, that's, that's fantastic. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us, with, with us, George. And yeah, I just wanted to recommend a, a great book, uh, about that and a story that I usually tell sales managers and salespeople, because there's a tendency to, to 
really dislike the word process in selling. Yeah. Yes. Uh, right. If it's as soon as you bring up that word, people are like, oh my God, that's so boring. <laughs> I, I need my autonomy. I went into this job to have autonomy. Now this idiot is talking about process. So yeah. I, I always talk about a book called um, uh, The Checklist Manifesto. Uh, okay. written by a surgeon. So he's talking about surgeries and, and uh, has nothing to do at all with selling. But I loved the takeaway uh, from that book because he, he, um, he was tasked, he and his team was tasked to figure out a way to reduce the problems that might occur after a surgery. So a lot of yep. people die every year because of uh, yeah, they didn't know why. They just wanted them to figure out. So they f went out and saw that it usually occurs because of simple mistakes. Like yeah. uh, they didn't wash their hands properly. The timing of the anesthesia was off or, you know, simple mistakes like that. Yeah. Uh, so they, they started looking around, like how do other professions handle where, where lives are at stake? How do they handle this? And they, they found pilots and pilots use checklists. And they looked at construction uh, sites and they used checklists. So they went back to the surgeons and said, hey, I think we have this marvelous idea. We're going to introduce checklists. <laughs> and, and the surgeons like, oh, my God, <laughs> I've been a surgeon for 25 years. I don't need a checklist. Uh, and they're like, well, I mean, pilots use it. Would you, don't you feel yeah. comfortable when, you, when you're entering a uh, an airplane and they actually have to these checklists to, to make sure that the plane doesn't crash. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's probably good. So let's try it out. And they reduced the number of deaths with 47%. Wow. Yeah, that was my that is reaction. That was yeah. massive. And I was like, wow, this is so interesting. And, and then I started thinking like, okay, so a surgeon is operating on a patient lying still on a table for an hour. Yeah, uh, and they're using a checklist to make sure that that patient doesn't die. But yeah. in in sales, we have a sales cycle of maybe six to twelve months in a complex yeah. B two B sale, and we think we don't need a checklist. Yeah, we just wing it. Um, and that was I think so. So that's always a story I tell to salespeople that that are reluctant or 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 anti process. It's like well. Don't you think it's a smart idea just to make sure that we're not missing important steps yeah. that could kill the deal? Just like a pa patient could die because the doctor forgot to wash his hands properly. Yeah. So that usually gets them to lower their guards. Mm, yeah, I can actually see that. <laughs> that, that that's, yeah, that's a good fantastic. point. <laughs> All right, we'll, put the, we'll put the book, um, the name. What was the name of that book again? Uh, the Checklist Manifesto Checklist by Arthur Gawande. Yeah, okay, we'll Gawandi the, uh, is his name. We'll actually put that in the show notes so people can um, can find it. Yeah, it's uh, a good one, and there, there's also a, a TED talk by him. Okay, fantastic. In my career, I've moved from you know, I started in transactional sales, moved into sort of consultative selling, went into the complex B two B sale, and then B two C. And I find that we talk about process, checklist, etc. Um, it's required across both B two C and B two B industries. Um, and I know people that keep saying, you know, there's no more B2C or B2B. It's, B, you know, it's business to human. But I, I still say um, yeah. they are different um, sales processes, but they mm. both require a process. They both require checklists. And, you know, evidence of that, we're working with a client now and 
Um, no sales methodology, no checklist, you know, no scorecards to measure performance on an inside sales model. And within three months of implementing just some very basic stuff, their conversions have, you know, nearly doubled. Um, yeah. And that's, that's clear. You know, it's a clear evidence to say that process um, – and, and, and we haven't even got into the point of now, look, embedding sort of that met methodology through coaching. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. So we've spoken a lot about strategy, you know, strategic stuff now about getting the strategy and mm -hmm. getting alignment, et cetera. Um, we'd love to move more into the tactical discussion about, you know, um, th that coaching conversation, which I, f I feel is one of the most important elements of a, of a sales enablement strategy. Yeah. We'd love to get your feedback on what good coaching should look like. Yeah, I think coaching in general is is helping someone succeed. Yeah, um, and and uh, it, it can be confused by helping someone or telling someone what to do, which is teaching, right? So yeah. teaching and coaching are very different. Uh, and and then there's mentoring, which is another aspect when, uh, which I think is also different. But but staying at coaching, I've, I. It's an interesting topic because I see a lot yes. of people talking about the importance of coaching, uh, but then and, and knowing how to coach, maybe even gone to the coaching classes, but not actually coaching. Yes. Uh, on a daily basis, and I think that can have a lot of different um, explana explanations to why that is. And I wrote a white paper on this topic actually, and I think a big aspect of it is just the, the mental, the attitude. Yeah of the manager right and why he or she became a manager i think there's a big mistake yeah. companies do when they take their best salesperson and they say oh wow she's so good she's going to become the sales manager um without really understanding or asking that person if he if she wants to be a sales manager uh, likes to coach um likes to see other people succeed because sometimes i mean oftentimes maybe even uh, a great salesperson has motivation or, or thrives uh, winning the deal becoming the hero yep. um and, and being someone other look up to or coaching others to succeed might not really be their motivate what motivates them yeah uh, and, and that's something you can grow into i mean once you've yep been a salesperson and, and you, you might grow into wanting to coach others and wanting to help others to grow, but it might also never happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that's, that's one mistake that, that happens sometimes that you, you, or oftentimes you promote the wrong person, so to speak, or for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Cause that has a flow on effect because then when a sales professional or a salesperson doesn't receive value from coaching, then they are conditioned that coaching is no good. Um, mm -hmm. And then that creates a bit of a barrier. Yep. Uh, and that's, I see that a lot is, you know, I talk to sales teams and, you know, I try to, you know, one of the first questions I ask is talk to me about your operational rhythm. You know, what does it look like? When does coaching occur? When does pipeline reviews occur, et cetera. Um, and it's a bit of an alarm bell when I hear that, oh, we don't do coaching. Um, then the next level of questioning is to the sales guy or to the sales team or lady. And, and I ask questions about, you know, why don't, you know, coaching and, and uh, their pushback is, well, we don't get any value out of it. I don't, I, I don't want to sit there and um, evaluate, you know, my, my sales opportunities with my manager and um, because 
they can't coach. <laughs> um, so that when you then try to bring in that coaching methodology or framework, there's already that resistance that you've got to break down first. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is very sad. Mm. Uh, and, and I think also just setting the time aside is, is something that I see people yeah. not doing. So they might even want to do coaching, but then they have all these demands on reports and stuff that they should be doing, and they might even have mm. have their own number to reach, uh, which is another mistake. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a, such a it's a kind of frustrating question in the the whole coaching thing. I, because it has so much potential to really yeah. get the most out of people when when done right. So if I'm a, if I'm a sales leader listening to this, um, or a sales manager who's a little bit reluctant to have those coaching conversations because it's not something that we do all the time, um, what's something that I can do immediately to start that'll build my confidence? Yeah, oh, wow. I could answer that in so many different ways, but I think <laughs> I, I, I think um, you need to have some. Now I'm talking from my my structured side, my software side here, of course. Yeah. But I think you need to have you need to have some structure around how to have these coaching sessions. I mean, you talked about opportunity coaching. That's of course yeah. a fairly straightforward one. Um, yeah, and and you need to. Also, I think you need to prepare and create an atmosphere of, okay, we on Thursday at nine, we're gonna we're gonna have a short short session. Just talk about your uh, three of your opportunities. You can pick them, uh, and let's just give give some thought about what you would uh, like us to to discuss, uh, so that they can yeah. prepare and think about it ahead of time. And you do the same, uh, and then you, and just go into that meeting and and just talk. Uh, about three of those and, and ask and, and not jump. I think one of the mistakes is we often jump into the teaching again. Like, I think yeah. you should do this. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, so, so creating sort of a structure for it, I think is, is helpful. Um, yeah. And, but another way would just be to do some, uh, some corridor coaching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you do some studying of the pipeline and you have a few things you would like to maybe know better uh and you can ask just a few questions just by over a cup of coffee and i i checked out this opportunity yeah. it looks super interesting well can you tell me can you tell me a bit more about the buying process or the, yeah i don't like the buying the word buying process because that's not really they they, they rarely have a process for it but yeah can you talk a bit more about how the decision will be made yeah um, and then you can just have a chat about that more informal and maybe over time get into the more formal but i think in the end you need a more formal structured way uh, yeah about the opportunity management pipeline management maybe uh, meeting planning so you, you create a few different types of coaching uh, structures yeah. and get them into well, the maybe cloud. there's a there, maybe there's a good webinar that well, that we could do <laughs> is around yeah. you know coaching um what makes good coaching and where to, where to start etc because again I, I see that as a um a real big gap um in the industry um, you know, because a lot of sales managers were really good sales people and they were promoted into a role of managing others, but they weren't necessarily yeah. given the training and the skills, uh, you know, to effectively coach and provide feedback um, mm. and, and mentor, you know, so, and, and, they, and they get stuck into putting out fires and being reactive yeah. and trying to teach. Um, so I'm, I'm really passionate on that topic. 
Mm. And this sort of goes back to KPIs, I think, uh, yeah. as well. When you when you don't have the KPIs to really track how we're doing over time, then like is the win rate going up or down? Yeah. Uh, is the deal size going up and down? If we don't know the answer to those things, it's al- it also becomes very difficult to know what to coach. Uh, so I think it's really important to, to have clear, clearly defined pipeline metrics uh, on different levels, like acti- on the activity level, on the effectiveness level, uh, yeah. and, and on the results level. Usually we're only at the results level. Oh, you didn't hit the target this quarter. quarter. Um, yeah. <laughs> Why? And it's very, it's like you have to break that down. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, that that having those KPIs and have it clear. Another problem I see is that people put all kinds of unqualified opportunities yeah. into their pipelines. Uh, whereas some other salespeople only put them into their pipeline two weeks ahead of them closing. Yeah. And that is not okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to have a clear definition because otherwise you will never be able to compare and benchmark your people yeah. against your other salespeople or one team against another team or one region against another region if you don't have a clearly defined KPI frame. Yeah. So I think that's very yeah. important as well. Mate, there's so much gold there. And I, I hate it. You know, I'll go into businesses and I see some say, no, I only put an opportunity in if it's over this amount or if it's at this point of the pipe, you know, the process. And <laughs> that's crazy. You know, how do you, how do you then measure and, and monitor and know what we can improve, et cetera? Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, you brought it up earlier, but I want to I ask this question of every guest um, salespeople, sales professionals, are they born or made? Made. Okay. And why? Is it just a, you know, it's a, it's a trained you think or is it is it a, is it a something we develop as a skill it's definitely a skill yep uh, and of course you can be born with traits that makes it easier yep. for you uh, but in a in a complex uh, sale and, and by a sales environment uh, you, you you can definitely train to become a yeah. lot become a professional in that and it helps if you if you have a certain level of of skills uh, or intelligence yeah. and, and, and all that stuff. But, but I don't, it's not something, and that's one of the biggest, biggest, biggest assumptions we make. I think that these people are born and you have to mm. just go recruit. If you just recruit the right ones, you're done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, well, that's one of the worst when I interview people and they say, Oh, I have 15 years of sales experience in complex B2B sales. And you start like asking more questions and you realize that, well, Really, this guy has one year that he's repeated fifteen times. Fifteen times, yeah, I love that. Yep, so I love that. Yeah. You know what? That, that that's a great um, picture that we can create of that because I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there. Yeah, and, it's like no, no continuous learning going on. Yeah, just repeating things. And from we, you know, again, we we spoke a bit about AI earlier, but is it is sales a science or an art? <laughs> yeah, that's a good good question. I, I think it's a it's a science that can be artfully executed. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> that is the best response I've had so far, and I've done about twenty five <laughs> of these. So fantastic! Thank you very much. That's great. <laughs> and and biggest influence in your sales career, and why? Ooh. Mm. So I know you've got, you know, on the membrane platform, there's a, you know, Mary Lou Tyler with a predictable process. I love that. I mean, I'm a big fan of Mary Lou and I love her books. Um, yeah. Uh, good question. I think from, from 
learning perspective, I, I would say Dave Brock. Uh, I love Dave's work. I love Dave's um, take on things and, and how he's always thinking, always learning, and yeah. always educating. Uh, okay. Dave Brock is definitely one of my, my favorite sales experts. Okay, I'll have to look him up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, the, one of my last questions, if you were to go back in time and do it all over again, what's one thing you would do differently? I think I would have uh, stopped winging it. Earlier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the continuous learning and always educating yourself. Uh, I can't yeah. stress the importance of that enough. Uh, but once you, when I started my first business, you don't, you don't, you don't find yourself maybe having time for it. So you just run, yeah. run, 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 do things faster, and just put out fires. But you have to give yourself time to learn, yeah, uh, and and time to put that structure in place, and and yeah, build a, build systems because uh, otherwise it's just fire fighting. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, George, I've really enjoyed this. So I've got a page of notes which I'm going to, you know, type up for myself because I'm, I've learned I've learned so much. So I really appreciate you sharing um, where you've come from and what are you doing and what you're passionate about. Um, and I will hit you up for that that webinar because I believe you know that would be a great session to talk about coaching and coaching effectiveness. But um, before we wrap up, where can our listeners find uh, more about you and how can they connect with you? The easiest way is to go to LinkedIn and search yep. for my name, George Bronton, uh, or go to membrane.com if they're interested in the in the platform. Yeah. You can sign up for a demo and I, I can do it. Fantastic. And there's a lot of great resources on there. There's some white papers. Um, there's some, you know, some great videos as well. So uh, we'll put all that in the show notes of where they can find you um, and Membrane because I've absolutely loved looking at the platform and put out there how they can connect with you so really appreciate you joining us uh today and um yeah we, we look forward to to having that that webinar with you <laughs> yeah it's been a pleasure thanks a lot for for having me no no problems oh man even with that swedish accent george brought it how good was that? He talked about process. He talked about enablement. He talked about you know where his passion came from to start businesses from scratch. And he's making a real impact in the world of sales. So my challenge for you this week, guys, is what are you doing to systemize your sales process? What are you doing to enhance your sales process each day that you get up and hustle for that deal? So my challenge is, what are you doing to be the best sales professional you can be?